Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the promise of joy that weeping may endure for the night. Some have been weeping this week, Lord, and we know that weeping endures. Sometimes it lasts longer than we wish, but I thank you for the promise of joy. And I pray, Lord, that your joy would be our strength, Lord, that we might rejoice in you always, that we might rejoice in you, because whatever circumstances we are under, we are always in you, and your Holy Spirit is in us. So empower us, Lord, I pray, to live joyfully, so that you who have given us life may have your wish fulfilled, that our joy might be full. Oh Lord, would you fill us so full of yourself that we would be emptied of ourselves and might overflow with love for you and for our neighbors. We ask it in the strong name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Duane and Joan Rolfe are friends of mine. They came to me some years ago and said, Would you help us find a ministry, perhaps a nursing home ministry that our kids can serve in with us? And I said, certainly. And I pointed them in the right direction. I said, I'm just out of curiosity. Why? They said, well, we're coming up on the summer. And our kids in the summertime tend to get sort of self-centered. They'll focus on video games and watching TV and computer. And they'll lose touch with the importance of other people. And the more self-centered they become, the more demanding they become. And we think if we can teach them to serve others then they will learn that the world is not about them. I pondered that this week as we continue to think about how to make disciples in our homes. I know the Rolfs, I know their children who are now grown, and I love the way they taught them how to serve. I said to Melanie recently, you know why we get along so well with our kids? She said, no, why? I said, it's because we both love to serve. And it turns out all three of them love to be served. And so it's a good deal for them. We're always serving. They're always being served. It works out perfectly. Jesus had the same problem in the happy family of his 12 disciples. Jesus came to serve, and wouldn't you know it, all 12 of them thought that they were supposed to be served. Who's going to be the greatest? I'm guessing that the Rolf family and the Brooks family and the Apostles family is not entirely different from your family. Would you open God's word with me today as we think about how we can serve together as families in ways that will help us to become disciples of the one who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Jesus has just told his disciples that he's going to be betrayed and they're going to mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later he will rise. And James and John see this as their great opportunity. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right, the other at your left, in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, 
you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You may be seated. Doesn't it feel great to be served? I walk by in the mall from time to time and watch those people getting the massages there, you know, and it must just be wonderful to be served by other people. A friend of mine told me this week that he flew first class over to Europe in the last week. They flew over the volcano, interestingly, and he made it down. But he said, you know, the interesting thing is, he said, I was in first class. He said, Dwayne, that's the only way to fly. I said, really? He said, have you ever flown first class? No, I really haven't. He said, well, it's the only way to fly. He said, it costs $8,000 for my ticket as opposed to $1,000 for coach fair but he said let me tell you what I get for that extra seven thousand dollars they bring me a six course meal they bring out serving after serving first it's the warm peanuts and then they come with the salad and then they come with the fruit and then they come with the rack of lamb he said I ate it at four o'clock in the morning Houston time I said it sounds appetizing he said, it was just so great. And then they bring the warm towels. And just when you, you know, you, 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 you lay back and go to sleep, he said, it's just like your own bed, you know. And he said, then you, you wake up and they serve you again. And he said, it's just constant food the whole way for 10 hours. You can eat about four meals and 3,000 calories in 10 hours. I'm marvelous, I said. It feels great to be served. And Jesus' disciples knew that. And Jesus was a a servant. He was always caring for them. Remember, he washed their feet and said, if I wash your feet, you should wash each other's feet. Jesus served for the same reason I think we parents serve our children. It's because we want them not just to love being served, but to learn to be servants. And it feels great to be served. That's why James and John came to Jesus. They sent their mom first, Matthew tells us. They were likely relatives of Jesus. They're already in the inner circle of the top three. They were there at the transfiguration. They see Jesus transfigured into his former glory that he had had for all of eternity past as angels saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they got just a glimpse of that. And for some reason, James and John said, we need to get some of that. We need to get some glory. And so all they have to do, you understand, if they're already in the top three and there's only one right-hand position, one left-hand position, what they're really doing is cutting Peter out. It makes sense of all those times when Peter says, you know, you know, um, Lord, I will die with you if I have to. If everybody else forsakes you, I will not. They're playing the game. And remember, they're arguing, even the night of Jesus' crucifixion, about who is going to be the greatest. And so they come to Jesus, let us be at your right and your left. You know, we're just asking to be number one and number two. Whichever order you choose, just don't let Peter be in one of those positions. And Jesus says, Really? Really, do you think you can drink the cup I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized? Oh, yes, we can, they say. Jesus says, you don't know. You don't know what you're asking. All you know is the example of the Gentiles around you who lord it over those who are under their authority. Not so with you, he said. Let me give you a different principle. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be first? be a slave. And if the principle's not enough, let me show you a better example. Even the Son of Man came 
not to be served, but to serve and give his. It's as if Jesus is saying, if, you, if I, your Lord and Master, came not to be served but to serve, what would ever make you think that your life is about being served by others? What would ever make you think that Jesus says, you know, it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life, said St. Francis of Assisi. Jesus said, here's the counterintuitive principle. You want to be great? Be the servant of all. Serve everybody you see. And when you serve in that way, you are becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ who was servant of all when he gave his life on the cross. Jesus didn't just wash feet. He died for sins and said, if anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow after me. There's something better than feeling great. You say, what could that be? Even better than feeling great is being great. And it feels great to be served, but to be great, you have to serve. And Jesus shows us that sometimes in our ignorance, this is not an insult, he says to the disciples, you just don't know, that's what ignorance means. He says, in our ignorance, we would seek to supplant the very glory of God himself. Isn't that the sin of Satan? Isn't that the temptation of pride for us to think that life is all about us? And just hear it as these sons of, of Zebedee come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I cannot tell you how many times my kids have had this same conversation with me. Just say yes and we'll tell you what we want. I know you want to say no, but dad, don't say no. Just tell him. And you know, I, just like Jesus, I never say yes till I know what they're asking. Jesus said, what is it that you want? It's a very immature kind of question. What we want is for you to do for us whatever we ask. And some people have been followers of Jesus Christ for 30, 40, 50 years and still think that Jesus is up there to give us whatever we want. In fact, the word is we will. We will that you do for us what we will. That's what the, the literal translation is. And Jesus says, what do you will? What is it, this, this will to power that you have? They say, we want you to put us at your right and your left because it's really all about us, isn't it, Jesus? They say when Emerson Hall at Harvard University was uh, being built that the president of Harvard, Charles Eliot, contacted William James, the, the great thinker, psychologist, and said, what inscription would you put on the lintel over the door? And he thought about it for a while and sent back the quote from Protagoras, man is the measure of all things. Sounded like a great thing. Here we are at Harvard, and it's all about humankind and our greatness. He waited to see what was unveiled, and when it was unveiled, instead of saying, man is the measure of all things, they quoted David, not Protagoras. What is man? that you, O oh God, are mindful of him. Jesus says, he, he takes them to task for what they don't know. He says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't understand. You think you can drink the cup I'm gonna drink. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is our model in this. And in ignorance, we say, well, I can do whatever just as long as I get what I want. I'll sort of have this relationship with God. I'll do for him what he wants if he'll do for me what I want. That's not the way it works. And Jesus says to him, you don't know what you're asking. They say, oh, we can do it. Jesus said, well, really, the positions at my right and my left when I am coming into my glory on the cross, those positions are already reserved. They're not available. 
But do you really want those positions, Jesus said? Are you willing to follow me, to take up your cross and die for me? Jesus was never looking for admirers, Kierkegaard said. Jesus never once looked for admirers. In fact, if he found a great group of people who admired him, he'd run them off, wouldn't he? Instead, he was looking for followers, for those who would follow him all the way to the cross. And Jesus is trying to teach them this here. And he says, you know, you don't know what you're asking And he says, all you really know is the 10 get indignant because James and John got there before they did and made the request first. Jesus says, what you really know is that those who are regarded as rulers, they're not really great, but they seem to be great. He says, they lord it over them. You, You know the wrong example. And those who are in authority work as tyrants. That's the translation. They're like tyrants. They exert authority over you. And he says, watch out for that. I I read that this week and I thought about back when I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, My English teacher gave us the book by Niccolo Machiavelli called The Prince. Have you read that book? I I just picked it up again this week. In fact, I was at a regent meeting at Baylor and I was sitting there reading The Prince, you know. I wasn't thinking about the implications of that. And people walked by and said, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading The Prince. Why are you reading The Prince? I said, I thought it would help me to be a better regent. I was just kidding. And I was just sitting there, you know. Remember what what he said, you know. He said, uh, He said, it's better to be feared than to be respected. And you can't be loved and feared, so just be feared. And might makes right, going back to Thrasymachus in Plato's Republic, might makes right and the end justifies the means. And you've heard this one, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. No matter who you have to step on to get to your goal, as long as you get to your goal. And Jesus said, that's what you see all around you. But not so with you. You will not find the example for the servant life in the world around you. In fact, I was reading Eugene Peterson this week. He said, just look at the entertainment culture around us. Look at the athletes and see how how selfish sometimes they can be. How self-centered. And they they keep us up late night uh, entertaining the insomniacs in our culture. He said, if you're looking for greatness. Let's just put it this way. Don't confuse fame with success. Don't confuse fame with success. Lady Gaga is one. Mother Teresa is the other. Don't confuse fame with success. Because success, Jesus said, is learning to serve other people. It's learning to give our lives away. And Jesus says, I just want you to get this this principle. Whatever you do, he says, the the real principle is that you and I are here. If we're going to become great, we've got to do that by becoming servants. And even the world is catching on to this, this principle. In fact, I read about uh, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Neeleman, who was uh, the president of one of the great airlines in our country. And he was on the flight with some others. And a man wrote an article and said, Neeleman served the people on the plane. He just acted like a regular employee. Now they've made, haven't they made a TV show about that, Undercover Boss, where the CEO begins to work uh, just like one of the other employees. You know, it's servant leadership. It's kind of a buzzword over the last 20 years. It started 2,000 years ago with Jesus. You want to be great, he said. Learn to be a servant. Learn to be a diakonos, one who kicks up dust waiting on tables. We're here to serve. You just give a cup of water. I remember the first regent meeting I was at in Waco. I was sitting down next to this great and famous preacher who's one of my heroes. And I'm a little bit of a smart aleck, to tell you the truth. And I'm sitting beside him. And each of us has our own little carafe of water. You got your own carafe, your own glass, you know, these gifts that they give to you, you know. And, And I'm sitting there and I lean over to him and I say, can I give you just a cup of water in Jesus' name? And he leans over to him and he says, why certainly, that's why you're here. 
you young guys don't know anything. You're here to serve those of us who do. Yes, I'll take a cup of water. This is an exact quote. So I pour the water. I don't say a thing. He takes a big, long drink. He puts it down and he goes, and someday, Brooks, you might be great. And without pausing, I leaned over and I said, but I don't want to be great. I want to be just like you. I don't know why I said it. I have no idea. We're not here to be served. We're here to serve, Jesus said. We're here to become slaves. We're here. And you'll know whether or not you're a servant when people treat you like a servant. I shared in my Talwood Times article about watching the people in the Luby's line and the way they related to the people. And the one man gave the woman a role and she said, I don't want that role. I want that role. And so he had to take the role back and give her the other role because, as she said, it's more shiny. The, the next, a uh, little bit further down, you know, it was half price day. It was a, it was a busy day. And uh, I love half price. It's almost as good as free. And so I was there and I'm watching and this lady asked for some vegetables and it's another person and the, the person gives them some vegetables and she says, I don't want those vegetables. I want green beans. And so they give them a, a plate full of green beans and, and she takes it and looks at it. It's like she's counting them. And she says, could you give me more, please? And I watched the people behind the line just serve and I thought... Here is spiritual maturity when we realize, as Jesus said, we're not the ones saying, give me more green beans. We're the ones who are giving the green beans. We step behind the line, we put on the apron, and we begin to serve the world. I read about a man up in Kent, Washington, a man named Joe Jackson, who won the Medal of Honor back in the Vietnam War in 1968 for going in and rescuing some people. But he's not finished serving. Every Monday, he goes to the Safeway there with empty boxes, loads up the groceries that they're giving away from the Safeway. He takes them down to his little Lutheran church, and there they serve the people in their city who are poor. This is a practical way to put this into practice in our lives and my son and I yesterday were flipping on the television screen and and there's some political commentator I don't even know their names I'm going to tell you the truth I don't watch them and uh, I'm too busy trying to be who Jesus wants me to be to get caught up in all that but I'm just watching and this guy says and you'll find that the words social justice are not even in your bible and I leaned over to my son and I said he needs a new bible because the word justice is only there 1,060 times in the Hebrew and the Greek. It's all about justice. It's all about, you say, well, well that's a synonym for, for uh, communism. Well, listen, the Bible doesn't teach communism or socialism, but the Bible does teach that you and I are supposed to care for the poor. Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Jesus teaches us to care for the poor. And you and I ought to be concerned about justice. Read the book of Amos this week and see if there's anything about social justice in there where he takes those people to task for selling the poor for a pair of sandals. This is the challenge for us in a world where it's easy to start becoming comfortable with being served. He says we're supposed to be servants. And I was working on this sermon this week and I had a friend who called me while I was on my way up to Waco and said, could you go pick up something for me at the Baylor bookstore? And I have to tell you, I groused about it the whole way. I'm thinking, what am I doing picking up something at the bookstore? Who am I? The only person who can ever go by the bookstore and I'm just grousing and grousing. And I, you know, I thought, well, maybe I can study my sermon on the way there, you know, and I just looked and it was about servanthood and I just shut up, you know. I just, okay, well, that's the end of that. Look, the difference between serving and not being served. You want to see the difference between success and true greatness, as Tim Kimmel says. You've got to teach your children to be truly great. Go back to 
The successful people were running down the stairs trying to get out and save their lives. But the truly great people were running up those same stairs trying to save. What did Jesus say? Even the Son of Man. We say, well, that's Jesus saying, I'm just a Son of Man. No, no. Read in Ezekiel. Read in Daniel. Read Jesus say, you'll see the Son of Man coming in clouds of glory. The Son of Man is not a diminutive term. Jesus is saying the Messiah, the great King, will come in clouds of glory. And even the Son of Man, your Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you say, I've already given Jesus my whole life. Peterson says, you know, to say that is like saying, oh, I'll give God a thousand dollar bill and say, here's my whole life, God, you can have it. And then God gives it back to you and says, exchange it for quarters. Now you're walking around with 4,000 quarters and he says, teach vacation Bible school, that's 50 cents. Serve as an usher in your church, that's 25 cents. Go to one more committee meeting while you're already exhausted. That's 75 cents. And you give your life away, not in one lump sum, but in the small opportunities of service that God gives us every day. By serving the last and the least and the lost, we are becoming like Jesus Christ. And I I, I remember Martin Luther King Jr. saying, everybody can be great, Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve, he said. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know um, Einstein's uh, uh, teachings. You don't have to know the second principle of thermodynamics and physics. All you have to have is a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And you can serve and you can be great. And God has called us to greatness. I just came this morning to tell you, there's one thing in this world that's better than feeling great. You want to feel great? Let people serve you. But there is something better. To be great, you have to serve. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for the greatness of your mercy and love. We are overwhelmed by your strength and your grace and your power and We confess, Lord, there is much that we do not know. We confess our ignorance, Lord, but today we would follow you. We would be imitators of Christ who served all. And we pray, Lord, that you would teach us to be servants so that we might teach others to be servants, so that you might change us and through us change the world. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.